with Alan Moore. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, a very happy Easter from Capital Sports on Moscow's Capital FM. I'm Alan Moore and I'll be your co-host for an hour of sports power because we have the very best news, views, reviews, previews and interviews in the world of sports. We're going to go in a moment to the phone to talk balls, yes, footballs, with Andrew Flint, of course, our man in two men and our man in Siberia even and our legal, legal Eastold Cody because Liverpool seem to be settling in for top four in England Meanwhile, Spartak, Lokomotiv, Siska and Dynamo are the four clubs of the apocalypse hunting down poor El Zenit. Can't say poor El Zenit, they're actually the richest club in Russia, but there you go. And of course, in the second, Jennifer Say, the amazing Jennifer Say, she is returning. Of course, she is the US gym, former US gymnastics champion and the producer of Athlete A Film. She's going to return to talk more about... Well, you say the situation in U.S. gymnastics, U.S. sport, and also how we can protect youngsters better, which, of course, is something very, very important. So, of course, listen into that in the second segment. And, of course, in the third, we have the Big Fat Filthy Quiz. Before we go to our uh, our lady in Dublin and our man in Siberia, I'm going to say hello to MK. MK, good evening to you. Hello, Alan. Okay, and to Double N, who's back in the studio with us. Uh, Double N, I can't hear you. Say it again. Okay, all right, good evening to you too. Okay, um, so we are now going straight away out to the, uh, well, the wilds of Siberia and the wilds of West Dublin. West Siberia, West Dublin, that's a great, we're, we're, we're in the sandwich of Westerners. Okay, uh, I'm going to start off with Andrew Flint. Andrew, we had a, a, a kind of an interesting uh, weekend of football here in Russia. Local course won 2-0 yesterday down in Volgograd beating Rotter. Ahmad hammered Krasnodar 5-0, that was, a, that was an, ish, an interesting one. Dinamo, I was actually passing through the stadium yesterday, they won 4-0 against Ufa. Um, of course, your boys in Oral, they won 2-0 against Arsenal, uh, not well, they could probably beat the Arsenal as well because they are absolutely crap. Um, sorry, Dublin. Um, and of course, Tambov downed 2-1 by Siska. A tight one. And of course, another tight one down in the south. Rostov losing 3-2 to Spartak. Um, but there was other losses as well in terms of man- managers. But just tell me, um, have you been satisfied this weekend, Andrew Flint? Do you, like we, we got all the results right. Every single result correct. Are you proud of yourself? I, I am. I've got to be honest. I, I, I quite enjoy feeling smug. I, I think we've we've got every right to because we we did call it. Um, although the only thing I didn't call was the the big shock of the weekend. Well, I'm not even sure we can call it a shock anymore. But Krasnodar losing five nil at home to Ahmed Grozny, Ahmed's biggest win in RPL history. Um, I mean, they don't score goals, um, and they scored five away from home against the team that's been in the Champions League this season. It's a mess down there, and to see Murad Masai go was was very little surprise, really. But some great entertainment in Spartak's game. What a game that was, um, backs and forwards. Yeah, I mean, look, uh, we, we know Musayev, he, he is out now in, in Krasnodar, but that, that's been coming for a while. We, we knew that was going to happen. We know who's yeah. going to replace him. Goncharenko's going to head south. That's, that's a done deal, done and dusted, so be ready for that. Um, but Spartak, uh, you know, I mean, Spartak showed a fair bit of grit today because uh, there were times during that match, oh, you were covering the first live, there were times that match, you know, when, when they were 2-1 down, and I'm thinking, ooh, okay, they scored just before the half, they equalised just before the half, but still, I didn't see them winning that match at all. 
Well, I, I honestly thought at, at two two you could see Tedesco's body language. He's sort of you can tell that he's on his way. Um, he wasn't even as animated as he usually was. And I thought, well, two two away to Rostov is not a bad result. We did say that we thought Spartak would certainly not dominate the game. You've got to remember, Rostov have won, I think, four of the last five games against Spartak. Um, I think, in fact, it's the, the longest Spartak have gone without beating a side in the Premier League. Um, but they did show real character. Sobinov was just very, very difficult to handle. Um, a bit like his arch nemesis, rival, best buddy, whichever you want to call, Big Daddy <laughs> Juba. Um, he was he was a right handful up front and two-headed goals, but they played well. Um, listen, I, I was I was a mixed I, I had mixed feelings about Quincy Promise. Um, I, I I did think that yes, he you know he he showed something, but he uh, is is it wrong to go back? You miss some sitters. Yeah, that's what I mean. I mean, I don't like. I mean, look, it happens to us all. Like you know, it happens to us all. Like you know, but at the same time, this is a guy who's come in. He's getting a hefty wage. He was being hailed by Leonard Fadoon as he is going to bring the title back to Spartak. But that's not going to happen with him. Well, there's no doubting his quality. He's got pace, and I think you've, you've hit the nail on the head. Though the other side of it is. Going back for um, a second go is very, very risky, especially given how good he was first time round and how he practically won the title for Spartak um, four years ago. He missed, I think, two absolute sitters, possibly more, depending on how harsh you want to be. Um, he looked angry, as you're supposed to do, but it, you can only be angry at yourself, Quincy. Um, I think, really, the problem is he's being outshone by at least two other forwards at that club, and he's used to being the top dog. I think that's going to be playing on his ego a little bit, but he's still got the quality. He'll play a part, um, but I don't think he's going to win the title just yet. OK, now, before we have a look at uh, next week games, next week's even, uh, my, my English is just absolutely appalling this evening. Um, all right, so, of course, it is, it is really, really, I mean, OK, is any playing Himke tomorrow uh, in St. Petersburg? Um, but as I said, you've got those four clubs of the apocalypse, Spartak, Loco, Siska, Dinamo, on 47, 43, 43 and 42 points. So, there, you know, it's going to be very, very interesting what's going to happen. Of course, Tambov are doomed. They are gone. Ufad gone. Arsenal and Rotter both are fighting to, to stay, stay clear of that. I mean, Tambov are, are, are just, I mean, they're dead lost. And it looks like, uh, you'll hear it here, folks, there could be... Uh, a big investigation into match fixing in Tambov because two young players. Uh, this is this is news. This isn't like kind of like gossip. Two young players who are both on thirty thousand rubles a month there put on a total azater or like a, an accumulator uh, bet on Tambov um, coming within a goal of the game uh, today. So uh, sorry, uh, yeah, today. So there could be an investigation into that. Um, you've heard it here first. It hasn't been broken on the any Russian media just yet. So Andrew Flint, you can uh, break that first. Um, Okay, it's getting tight, but next week it's got, it could move around quite a bit. Um, we're looking at Dinamo next Sunday, 4.30 against Ural, your boys. Um, we're looking then at Loco and Spartak on Sunday evening, just before we come in here to the studio at 7 o'clock. I'll be at that game, of course. Well, first half of the game, anyway. And then Siska against Rotor on Monday. Um, second place will depend on that local Spartak game because local have the you know they have that more a bit more momentum if they win they are they are going to like be the ones chasing Zenith and finishing second 
Yeah, it's a huge game, absolutely massive. I'd say, yes, this is the probably the most important game of the running, really, because like we've said all along, the title is, is although the points are close, there's only one point in it, really, um, before the game in hand tomorrow night, but um, Zenita will, will, will be winning the title, I think, but Loco on such good form. Um, Spartak did show the character tonight, but Loco have won five in a row now, and that equals their, their best run of wins in a row in something like five years, I think it is. Um, and the way they're going at the moment, and the fact that Rostov could get behind Spartak, um, the three-man defence does have some gaps in it for Spartak. I, I got a sneaking suspicion we might see Loco edge this one, and that would be huge in the Champions League race. Okay, um, listen, we're going to move straight away to Easel Cody. Easelt, um all right, I'm not going to speak about Spurs uh, because, I mean, they kind of they blew a chance. It was your big Sam uh, getting a 2-2 draw, of course, up in Newcastle uh, to, earlier on today. United, Manchester United, I'm very, very sorry to say, are 1-0 down, Andrew Flint. Um, already 1-0 down against Brighton. They are at home, of course, so that is blowing up on them. Um, of course... Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, of course, uh, th- those are the games today. Yesterday, Liverpool um, hammered um, Arsenal 3 0. Man City, of course, beating a humiliating Leicester 2 0. Uh, and Chelsea getting absolutely their pants pulled down and spanked hard, losing 5 2 at home against West Brom. Um, big. That's big, big Sam. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm. Easel, I mean, were you expecting that? Yes. No, you weren't. No, you were not. Don't lie. I said to myself, who will be the man to beat Thomas Tuchel's Chelsea? It will be Big Sam. No, but what I will say is we got to a stage in the season when, oh my God, Liverpool-Arsenal for a 3-0 win. It was so dull. The games at the top of the table are not exciting. They're only exciting when they involve teams that are fighting for relegation. So West Brom... Brighton. They're the kind of teams we want to see play the big names because they are giving it everything. And I know Chelsea ended up down a man yesterday, but that's the kind of excitement you can't get from teams who are trying to duke it out for a choice of second or third. <laughs> that is true. I mean, like Le- Leicester had a chance, or like, I mean, Leicester, I think they're just, they're an awful team. I mean, earlier on the season, like, you know, they win one game and then get battered by West Ham. Um, West Ham, of course, they are just, they, they have a game in hand. Uh, they're sitting on 49 points in seventh place. Um, Issa, sticking with you on that, uh, and I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring Double N into this as well. Double N, do you think that Mikel Arteta, if he was an ugly person if you looked like me for example he would still be manager of Arsenal no 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 I think he has the to an extent Arsenal wanted someone who was the exact opposite of Wenger he's young he seems kind of good looking but yet he has the charisma of Arsene Wenger and I use charisma in a really sarcastic tone Um, he's animated but I think he's come into that job a little too soon and perhaps he is a backroom that we saw with certain players who have left the team and gone to Turkey um, that he may not be the manager to kind of guide players to give their best and if they start to stand up to him essentially it's not a good position now again Double N might have a different view being a fan of that Double N okay asked like should they stick with Arteta or get rid of him Double N we can't hear you for some reason 
Yeah. You're miles better looking anyway, Alan. Okay, thank you very, very much. Thank you very, very much, Andy Mack. Okay, we just can't, we can't see the here, double N at the moment, but, um, okay, uh, Andy Mack, I'm glad you finally joined us. Um, I have a question for you. Um, what's going to happen to, you know, what, like, who is going to take over the hot seat up in paradise? Uh, well, linked to Celtic at the moment in advanced talks, I, I think the two names on, on the sort of the sheet that I've managed to get extended into is Eddie Howe, ex-Bournemouth. He looks to be the one that is going to be appointed. And I, I guess with the new CEO coming next in next season uh, and uh, Mark Birchall, who is former Celtic, used to be the, the head scout at Bournemouth as well. So there's a few connections there that would suggest that Eddie Howe would get the nod over Thierry Henry. Okay, so uh, that's good because uh, I'd rather get something over the head of Thierry Henry, as in a baseball bat. Um, okay, uh, last week, looking back, get very, oh, I'd get something else around him, a tire iron maybe. Okay, um, looking at the, of course, Russia flopped in their last game, losing 2-1 uh, last week, of course, against Slovakia. And that, that's a topsy-turvy group. Croatia are top marginally um, on goal difference. They are plus three. Um, Russia in second. Uh, again, they're, they're both on six points. Slovakia, who drew with Malta, uh, they, are, they are in third. Slovenia, who beats Croatia in their opener, then went on to lose the next two games. So it's just an absolutely insane kind of group. Um, right, we're going to have a look straight ahead uh, to next week's Champions League, or should I say this coming week's Champions League. The big one, I'm going to ask straight away, Andy Mack. Andy Mack, okay, your second team, Liverpool, are up against Real Madrid on Tuesday, 10 o'clock here in Moscow. What do you reckon? Will the Red Men be marching home, or will they be humiliated? Um, it's such a tough one to call. Real Madrid have gone on um, a quite incredible run um they've been undefeated since february uh, but in that time I, I really haven't been that convinced by any of their performances they've sort of snuck one nil wins two one wins against teams they should be hammering um, um and i think levante and the likes of uh, alcayano even in the in the copa del rey and bilbao proved that if you get your tactics right and i think liverpool um snuffed out Arsenal superbly. Uh, it was probably the best team performance I've seen from them in some way, and they took their chances. So, I, I'd i be edging for a Liverpool win or draw. OK, um, and now for another man's second team, of course, that is Man City, uh, Andrew Flint. They're playing Dortmund. Um, of course, everyone's speaking about Haaland, that his his agent wants 30 million his father wants 30 or 20 million and he wants 30 million net per season uh to move from dortmund that's tuesday 10 o'clock as well what do you reckon will your blue half of your city be taking home honors or will they flop against bournemouth uh, against dortmund even i'd love it if they did flop against bournemouth too but um no i in all honesty, Manchester City should be winning this one. But I, I, again, it's it's quite hard to know which Dortmund is going to turn up. Haaland, on, I think I'm right in saying, his longest drought without scoring in his professional career of three games, so or at least he was before this weekend. So um, I think City will win this one, but I don't think they're going to knock them out of the park. As long as Dortmund get an away goal, I'll be happy. OK, and now to Isil Cody. Isil, your second favourite team in London, Chelsea, they... Are having, they will have to recover from being humiliated uh, by the greatest coach of all time, according to you, big Sam Allardyce. They are away against Porto. Um, what do you reckon? I mean, uh, do, do they have a chance to win this? Because, I mean, it, it's in Sevilla. It's not in Porto. Uh, so what are their chances for Chelsea winning this one? I think you have to factor in 
their humiliating loss. Um, I would also question if Porto have already played their biggest game in the competition to reach this stage, and I think they have. I think Thomas Tuchel is a very shrewd manager and he's probably more adept in the Champions League than he is in the Premiership as of yet and knowing when to rest players, when to um, take his time. I, I would see a Chelsea win, to be perfectly honest, or at the very least I see them drawing that fixture, which is as tantamount okay. to a win. All right, uh, Andy Mack, finally, I want to throw this one to you. I'm going to ask, you, I'll ask all of you. Bayern Munich against PSG. Uh, win, lose, or draw for Bayern, Andy Mack? Um, this one is, is, is so tight to call. Um, I'm going to say draw. Draw, okay. Andrew Flint? Uh, actually, I'm going to go much more the other way. I'm going to say Bayern Munich comfortably are going to win this one. PSG okay. losing to Lille. Okay, all right. And uh, Isla Cody? I'm going to say Bayern win, but I love this fixture. Okay. I love it. Yeah, that's at Wednesday, of course, at 10 o'clock. And of course, the Porto Chelsea game also at 10 o'clock on Wednesday. Right, quick couple of questions going around to you all. Uh, Amir wrote in, she's from Egypt. She said, um, what about the uh, Egyptian national team, Andrew Flint? Uh, do you think they'll make it to the World Cup in Qatar? Uh Depends if Mo is in the mood. Um, I think they probably will. They should do. Okay. Um, but it, you, you never know the African qualifiers. Okay. Uh, Kaka asks, and I'm going to ask you, Andy Mack, why is Asian football so crap? Well, I, I paraphrase it, of course. <laughs> Asian football is so awful, so useless. I use another word, but S, but I um, won't because I'm polite. It's that's a very very broad question that you're asking there. You could say that Scottish football is crap, but the well, well, no, you, well, I, I, I do say that. Um, um, well, exactly. So broad, broadening that out to all of Asia is maybe a little bit harsh. Um, I guess it's probably um, a good half a, half a century behind or even longer than, than other continents. It's going to take time. Okay. It'll develop players as soon as they get grassroots in. It'll improve. Okay. And there's money there, so why not? Okay. Isil Cody, uh, Armenia for Qatar. They're three out of three. What you reckon? Are they going to Qatar? They're going there a lot sooner than Ireland. Okay, right. Let's just right on that note. I'm going to say thank you to uh, Andrew Flint, Andy Mack, and Isil Cody. Isil Cody's going off to celebrate a birthday of her favourite aunt. Meanwhile, the boys are back for the big fat filthy quiz, and we're going to go out to the break because remember, we're not stressed out, but we do like Twenty One Pilots. Pilots back after this with Jennifer Lee. Capital Sports with Alan Moore. I wish I found some better sounds no one's ever heard I wish I had a better voice to sing some better words I wish I found some chords in an order that is new I wish I didn't have to rhyme every time I sang I was told when I get older all my fears would shrink But now I'm insecure and I care what people think My name's Blurry Face and I care what you think My name's Blurry Face and I care what you think Wish we could turn back
certain smell will take me back to when I was young. How come I'm never able to identify where it's coming from? I'd make a candle out of it if I ever found it. Try to sell it, never sell out of it. I probably only sell one. Maybe to my brother, 'cause we have the same nose, same clothes, homegrown as stones thrown from a creek we used to roam. But it would remind us of when nothing really mattered. Out of student loans and treehouse homes, we all would take the ladder. My, my name's Blurry Face, and I care what you think. My name's Blurry Face, and I care what you think. Wish we could turn back time to the good old days. I hope you enjoyed that little musical interlude. Uh, and I have to say that Capital Sports is delighted to bring you this segment. Thanks for our partnership with Match Business Consulting, the one-stop shop for all your sports events and management needs. And we're going to be shout out to them today as well because they've been extremely helpful. And remember, folks, this is leading up to our fourth birthday celebration. So be ready for... Some very, very interesting bits and pieces. Uh, Double N, there hasn't been any updates in that score. It's still 1-0 to Brighton, correct? Um, yeah, that's okay, right. Okay, that is great. We'll finally hear you. Um, okay, and MK, I know you have a question to uh, throw to Jennifer a little bit later, yes? Yes, sure. Okay, all right. Um, okay, I'm going to welcome Shep back in. Our listeners already know who she is, and um, I think the whole world should know who she is because the service she's done to not just gymnastics in the USA, gymnastics in the world, but also to parents and you know those of us who love and care about sport. Jennifer say, I did call you Jennifer Lee when I was going out from the first, and I'm apologising right away, live on air to you for this. Um, Jennifer say, you're very welcome back to Capital Sports on Moscow's Capital FM. Thanks for having me. Okay, Jennifer, I, I, I want to start off straight away. We, we kind of, I wanted to get onto something um, on uh, Athlete A movie that really and truly bugged me. And I, I wanted to bring it up with you, and I, I, I kind of failed, but we kind of ran out of time. Um, Maggie Nichols, okay, the, the sort of the central character in, in the whole story, the, 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 uh, the athlete A. Um, yeah. Now, 
I was looking, of course, in 2016 at the uh, U.S. Nationals and, of course, at the, the Olympic Trials. She finished sixth overall, okay? Um, and we know, we know that she wasn't, a strange one where she wasn't even put onto the uh, reserve team or the reserves, uh, which is okay. kind of, you know, okay, sometimes it can happen, but it just... The whole setup, and I watched this separately, not just that you, know, you guys were intercutting pieces in the movie and so on and so forth. I watched the whole block of this. Um, when, for example, the announcers for, I think it was NBC Sports, were covering it, when they were reading down from first all the way down, they skipped her name. Yeah. They skipped her name. Yep, it's telling. Okay. Okay, I'm going to I'm going to ask what's telling in a moment. Also, her parents, of course, they brought up folks, two very very lovely people uh, from up in Minnesota, and they said about normally the camera pans in on the leading, you know, the, the families of the the gymnasts, or the could be boyfriend or girlfriend, whatever it may be, husband wife. Um, they didn't. They didn't have them seated anywhere. They didn't. They were basically kind of ignored, almost pushed to the side. Um, was the whole media? as well as UFC Gymnastics, were they in on this together? I, I wouldn't put it that way. And, um, I mean, I think, you know, from my perspective, she should have been an alternate. Should she have been on the team? She was injured, arguably no, but she should have been a member of that team. And she placed in such a way that, you know, she was six, as you've said. I find it incredibly problematic that the way the team is constructed isn't just how the kids place or the young women place on that day. And that's a rule that was changed, I don't know, probably two decades ago. And I think it creates a problematic system um, because it encourages obedience so that you get picked, right? How can we take out some of that subjectivity and create as much objectivity as possible, even in a sport that's about scoring? So all of that said, I think... You know, my belief is USAG knew they weren't going to put her on the team. And they, they're the ones, I don't think the media was complicit, but the USAG leaders gave the media direction as to who to cover in the stands. And their direction did not include the Nichols, clearly. I mean, we heard from, um, we heard from her mom in the film saying, you know, they weren't given those special seats that were tagged that would suggest the media needed to cover them in the stands. Okay. For me, again, I, I, I've seen this in, you know, for example, uh, in commentary, for example, when, or even in, in, in radio shows, when there is a conspiracy, when there is an agreement between either commentators, there's an agreement between pundits, as we call them, not you the guys who kind of sit in the studio yeah. and discuss the odds and so on, that they, they set this up. And sometimes, and I've been in a studio once, when we were told, your man's going to get the sack, this football manager, he's going to get the sack. Let's make sure mm-hmm. that we put the boot in. And and that I seemed see. that seemed obvious for me. Now, maybe again, I'm wrong, but that's what I felt. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think USAG, which is the body that governs the sport um, and is accountable into the U.S. Olympic Committee, um, they drive the coverage they want to get. So... I mean, I don't, we're sort of saying kind of the same thing. It's two sides of a, a coin, really. Um, but they're sort of driving that agenda with the media. And I think, you know, much of the abuse that has happened over the last however many decades that was never sort of dug into by the media. I mean, I think the media has been complicit in a sense. They, they failed to be journalists. 
Um, I mean, there are articles, there is an article in the Washington Post back from 2000 when the U.S. team was, I think, third in the Olympics, which was considered a disappointment that just crucifies the young women on the team and celebrates, um, you know, the Carolis. And, and they are very critical of Jamie Dancher, who is one of the Nasser survivors, because she had the audacity to criticize the Carolis. And they call her a whiner in the piece. And so to me, I think, you know, journalists and the media who have covered the sport have simply done PR for the sport as directed by USAG. Now, of course, that's um, not the case with the Indian broke the story of Larry Nasser. And that, that is a testament to what great journalism can be. But I do think, you know, while I wouldn't necessarily say the media was complicit, I'm not sure I'd in on it. You know, I think that they failed to do real journalism, you know, and they sort of followed the line that USAG wanted them to follow. Okay. I mean, uh, like with, with Jamie Dancher, I mean, when... It's sort uh, of two sides of a coin. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, look, that's, that's, that's pretty fun. I mean, it's, 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 it's like that, not just in sport, of course, as well. That's not like, we, we won't just kind of like of course, just pick on right. sport, like gym or anything. I mean, it's, it's in life. Um, Politics, yeah. Exactly. Um, so we're, we're looking at this situation now. And look, like, I remember when they were talking about Jamie Dancher and they dug up so much dirt uh, about her and yeah. that she had problems with alcohol uh, problem with her like her um you know well, well you say her sexual behavior and so on but this had like i mean no one's it was like they just went out to smear every single person yeah. um yeah um of that I, I just one final question to you because i know uh, mk here in the studio has, has a question for you as well one final question of this well, actually i've got two it's, it's a, a this a one and two the first one is um, of the athletes that you spoke with, who has come through the best from it and who would you be worried about? That's a good question. I mean, I worry about a lot of the um, a lot of these young women because many of them are very young still and they're just still sort of processing the abuse. Some of them didn't even realize it was abuse until they heard others coming forward. They had convinced themselves that it was legitimate medical treatment. And so I think what concerns me, and many of these women are my friends, you know, they're put up on a pedestal as these brave survivors, which they are, as courageous young women speaking out. And I think they feel they have to live up to that. And the fact is, is they're still on that journey of healing. And many are just barely starting it, you know. And so that always causes me great concern and I often reach out to the young women that I know well and make sure that they're doing okay and you know it's not just the abuse the, the abuse from NASA that they're recovering from many leave the sport with eating disorders and um, all sorts of trauma and when you're sort of held out as this icon and this hero in the media you sort of maybe trick yourself into thinking you're okay and then when you're alone you still have all that healing to do so, I'm not going to name any names as to who no, I worry. No, about. no, 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 are, no, 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 no. It's a general. Yeah, I worry. I know. I know. I, yeah. So, but there are many um, I worry about, and you know, some of the young women that did victim in, impact statements are were 15. I think the youngest, you know, there were uh, was a 13 year old. So, certainly, these young women have a lot of healing to do. I think, you know, one that comes to mind that I think has done a lot of that and still probably struggles is Rachel Denhollander. She suffered 
abuse from Nasser when she was about 15. And she's a grown woman now with quite a few children. And she had done the therapy and the sort of processing so that, and she was new that when she came forward, she would still be um, faced with brutal criticism. And she was. And so, but she had sort of prepared for that. And she had the family support, both from her parents and her husband. Um, and she had community support. And so I think she was just well prepared to kind of deal with that. And I think some weren't, you know, they, they knew that it could be tough. But you mentioned Jamie Dancher, who is absolutely a hero. And I watched in real time as she was torn apart on social media for her, as you you indicated, you know, behaviors, and some of which, by the way, are typical college student behaviors, some of which are... Acting out. Are, are acting out, and are, are behaviors that often victims of sexual abuse yeah. um, might engage in. And so I found it really, really upsetting, and as I watched it, I didn't know Jamie at the time, I do know her now, um, I just, she's amazing, she's incredibly strong, and she... Um, withstood the slings and hours, arrows, and she continued to do what she knew was right to protect others. And she says in the film, and she said it to me many times, coming forward and, um, you know, revealing this to the world, who he is and what he did, is the first time in her life she feels truly proud of herself, which is sort of a heartbreaking That's, story. that's awful to hear from, from someone from who's an Olympic, <laughs> an Olympic medalist, but I'm also really proud of her. And yeah. um, th- that's an amazing you know, gift that she did give herself to know that she did the right thing and will protect future generations. It's the most important thing. We're going to speak about that in just a moment as, uh, as well. Um, one question I had uh, messaged in from, it was from Andre, uh, messaged me during the week with so many questions like piling into Ashley, we won't have time. Um, and he said, why was Athlete Aid not nominated for an Oscar? He said it was the best movie he's seen all year. Um, he's watched it twice. He said he, he, because he himself did gymnastics as a boy. That's what he said. Like, well, in Twitter, Got he sent me a direct message. He watched it uh, you know, twice. He competed in gymnastics. He said he was very lucky that he had good coaches. But he said his heart broke every single time uh, he saw, like, the, 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 so the pain yeah. in the girl's eyes. Um why were you guys not nominated for an Oscar? That's a great question. I don't really, you know, I, I can't answer that. I, I know a lot about how uh, judging in gymnastics works. I don't know a ton about how judging in um, for the Oscars works. So um, we certainly have been recognized as a standout documentary film for the year. We won a Critics' Choice Award. award. You know, we were... I, I won't speak for the team. I was disappointed that we weren't recognized in that way, but I also... Um, kind of never expected it. And, you know, what to me is most gratifying is that it's had an impact um, and that athletes around the world have come together to say we're not going to put up with this anymore. So, yeah, I mean, it's a little disappointing, but I didn't make the film to win an award. You know, I made it to get this message out there. So I, I don't know. You'd have to ask the people that do that voting. <laughs> the Academy, I know, I know. It, there was, there was, someone, someone made a joke to me this week that said that, uh, you know, if it was about abuse in Russian gymnastics, it would definitely be nominated for an Oscar. Oh, I'd probably win. And it was like, I was like, no, don't be so cruel. I think it's just because, you know, they, 
it was a bit the, the subject matter just they weren't going to deal with. Um, Jennifer, MK has, has a question for you because we were discussing this week during the week about her own, um, she was doing a traditional dance and the way that mm-hmm. teachers and coaches were like uh, treating you know, young kids there. MK, I'll leave it to you just to ask a question as well. Yeah, well, first I wanted to tell that uh, when I watched Athlete A, that was a huge eye-opener for me and then just literally heard to see um, what horrors those little girls, those young athletes went through. So my question is, uh, what actually parents could do to make sure their kids are safe in the sports and to protect them? That's a a great question and it's one of the things I, I try to talk the most about because I do think, well, I don't, I don't blame parents because they get sort of sucked into the same system. And in in many instances, parents aren't even allowed in the gyms. And, you know, as a child, I wasn't telling my parents anything. So they really knew and understood very little. Um, you know, that said, there are parents who just get swept up in this same sort of belief system that this is just tough coaching and it's all worth it to to win and to have the chance at going to the Olympics. So I think, um, and there, there are many parents that believe that's a sacrifice worth making, and I don't think they understand the long-term impacts. You know, but your kid is your kid. You're re- ultimately responsible for your child's health and well-being, and certainly life can intervene and um, make that difficult at times. But in the, in the places where you can and should step up, and I would count sport as one of them, um, you know, a parent needs to do that. And so I think before you send your child to any athletic program, you would interview the coach, you would want to understand their philosophy. Um, and it should very much include a philosophy, a philosophy around child development. And, you know, that sport is used to build healthy minds and bodies and healthy self-esteem, not to tear a child down. And so, you know, I think that's the most important thing is, you know, rather than interrogate their their you know technique in sport understand what their technique around coaching is um in america there's this um organization called the positive coaches alliance you know i would ask have you taken that curriculum are you a member of the positive coaching alliance um i would demand to be able to watch at least in the beginning to kind of understand and watch the coaches and see are they are they coaching in a positive manner Um, And then I think lastly, talk to your kid, you know, ask if your child's mood changes, if your child seems sullen and withdrawn, that isn't just because they're serious about the sport in all, in all likelihood. Um, If your child seems depressed, your child probably is depressed. Um, I mean, I was losing unhealthy amounts of weight. I was injured all the time. I was incredibly withdrawn and sullen. Those were all signs. And, um, you know, I think my parents were kind of willing to look the other way because they assumed I had to be happy because I was winning competitions and I didn't know really how to tell them otherwise. And I didn't want them to pull me out because, you know, I'd sacrificed so much already. And, and I think just letting your kid know, you can always tell me anything. The most important thing is that um, you're happy and you're learning and you're enjoying it and you can quit at any time. I don't think less of you, you know, and I, I didn't, believe that that was true you know I it wasn't true because when I did tell them I wanted to leave um I entered a very difficult period with my parents and so I mean Simone Biles talks about it all the time how her mother and her coach said to her you can walk away at any time the most important thing is that you're enjoying this and I think she has a really healthy relationship to the sport so 
you know, understand the coaches, understand your kid and pay attention to, to your kid and how your kid is feeling. Um, and I also think you just have to make it clear in every way you can and that, you know, I'm proud of you if you win and I'm proud of you if you just get out there and, and you finish and give it your all. That's the most important thing. My love for you is not conditional. Um, and I'm proud of you if you got through the season and you don't want to do it anymore and you want to do something else. Um, you're curious and interested in other things, and that's great, too. How do you sort of demonstrate that kind of unconditional love to your to your child and support them in, in their endeavors? Um, okay. Jennifer, we're going yeah. to have to leave it there and go away. But are you going to, okay. are you going to stay on with us for the, the quiz? I can't do oh, that today, and I'm okay. terrible at quizzes. Okay. What kind of quiz is it? Okay, no, listen. <laughs> is it a math quiz? <laughs> uh, no, definitely not math. It's a sports quiz. Don't worry. So. Uh, oh, God, I'm terrible at that, too. Okay. Oh, you won't want me to participate. Yeah, thank Je you for having me, though. Listen, Jennifer, thank you so much. You've given us a lot of wisdom and knowledge and great pointers. Thank you so, so much, and continue the yeah, great yeah. work. And thank you again for everything you've done Thanks for sports. For Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank Have you. a great day. Bye. You too. Bye. Okay, so we're going to get to the break right now with Judah and the line and all right. Back after this with the Big Fat Filthy Quiz. Capital Sports with Alan Moore. We're going to be all right.
Okay, welcome back, folks. Of course, that last segment was brought to you in association with Match Business Consulting, Russia's number one sports consultancy. So a shout out to our guys and our partners and our very, very good friends in Match Business Consulting because I know that they would have loved that interview as well. Um, okay, before we go to our Big Five Filthy Quiz because the guys are waiting online and, of course, we are our two competitors here in the studio. Double N, what is the score in Old Trafford right now? Um, it's 1-0 for... Brighton. Okay. So. Who scored that goal actually for, for Brighton? Yeah, it was ex Arsenal player Dan Goldberg. Who was also an ex United player as well. So. Yeah, as well. <laughs> as well. well. There you go. All right, double down. Um, okay, we of course had a question in. Uh, it was from McCann. McCann asked, uh, I'm going to ask you this, uh, MK, why are two bronze medals awarded in judo competition? Well, basically, this has to do with the uh, tournament system that is used in the uh, mortal sports. Combat sports, I'm sorry. <laughs> You're thinking I, of Mortal Kombat. martial arts. You were thinking <laughs> Mortal Kombat. <laughs> yeah, well, so, uh, the, the tournament system <laughs> in oh. combat sports. Uh, well, the, in the judo, it's the single elimination, and uh, there are usually no third, fourth place playoffs, only a winner and a runner-up. Uh, but for the Olympics, they didn't want to change the uh, traditional format with the gold and silver and bronze medal. Yeah. So they just stayed, uh, have taken the decision to, to leave it as to bronze medal. Okay, good. All right, thank you. So a mortal combat for the next Olympics. <laughs> we just can't stop laughing. MK is dying here. She's red. She's redder. Oh, I'm not wearing 19. Oh, no, not wearing 19. Red. Okay, um, boys on the line. So Andy Mac you're going to go first then Andrew Flint then MK then Peter Pay uh, Peter Pay Peter P Peter Payoff uh, and double N because Peter is going to pay off he's going to come back and return he was not a two and done he will get his third championship belt okay uh, questions on the first round and they're worth 15 points in total okay 15 points and explain how you do it uh, so uh, I'm going to ask you these are Olympic Medal winners, okay? You have to tell me the family name, the year, and the country that they are from, okay? So, going to start off. Andy Mack, are you ready? You think so? All right. All right, so the first one for you is... So, again, you get five points for the name. You get five points for the year in which you won her gold medal and five points for her nation. So, Simona. Simona. Is that all I get? Yeah, that's all. <laughs> of course it is. You have to give me the family name, year and country. And by the way, it's 92 and later, 92 and later. Okay, so that's narrowed it down slightly for you all. Um, uh, do, do, do I get a clue if I ask, was she Romanian? Yeah, that's one point for you. One Romanian. Yeah, good. Oh, that's five points for you. Sorry, Romanian. Correct. Um, I can't remember her surname. Begins with an A. Go on, you're getting um, close to it. Okay, give me the year. Year that she won the gold medal. Um, yeah. it, it was gymnastics. Yeah, so I just said it was gymnastics. Jesus, we're getting in Peter P. Oh, Alex yeah. right, go on, quick. Um, she won it more than once. Um, can mm. I give any? Yes, go on. She didn't win it more than once in the uh, in the individual one. She won one, but go on, give me the year, quick. Um, Sydney, two thousand. 
Very good. Okay, and her name was Simona Amanar. Simona Amanar. Uh, All right, Andrew. I wouldn't have got. You wouldn't have got. Okay. Well, you were close. You got A to start. So okay. So Andrew Flint. Okay. Nastia. Mm. Nastia. Nastia. <laughs> um, Nastia. Nastia. I could try and guess, but I have absolutely no clue whatsoever. I'm going to guess though, 2012. I have no idea what, where she's from, what she did, but I'm going to guess 2012. Okay, get, get, guess her her um, her country. Go on, give it a guess. Uh, I'll go for Russia. No, it was Nastia Lyukin from the USA in 2008. There you go. All right, MK, over to you. Uh, MK, so, Sim, well, we were mentioned this girl earlier on. Simone. Simone. So now it's Simone, not Simona. Simone. Uh, let's try. I don't know, Colombia. Uh, no. <laughs> uh, okay, let's 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 try with the year. Oh, I, I'm. I want to go with. Uh, <laughs> go on. Uh, 2008. No. Okay. What her else? family name. Family name. Um. Yeah. Just Stomach keep that. Acid. <laughs> no, Simone Biles. <laughs> Simone Biles. 2016, and she's from the US of A. Okay. No, not bad. Okay. Peter P, are you ready? I am, I am. Okay, so for you, for you, I'm going to give you a, a kind of a, a relatively recent one. So, Tatiana. Tatiana. All right. Um, I'm going to I'm I'm try to get a clue here. Is she... Uh, is she of Slavic descent? Yeah, come on. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Go on. Quick, <laughs> we're losing. To, this is the worst ever first time. Is man. she? Is she like? Is she Ukrainian? All right, how about that? Well, yeah, she's. Well, it was for the United Russia team, but she is Ukrainian. Correct. Okay, so that is five points. Okay. Come and, on. Her, and her name again, Svetlana Ta- something. Ta- Ta- Tatiana. Tatiana. I'm gonna go with. Uh, can I? Okay, I, I don't want to go like I don't, I don't want to have a go with the last name, but just can I? Can I try to get the sport at least? This sport is gymnastics. <laughs> oh god! Oh, I, I missed the whole part. <laughs> okay, listen. What's the missed. what? Peter P. What's the year? What's the year? Give me the year. All right. How about how about two thousand and uh, uh, nine? <laughs> oh, don't know Olympics in two thousand and nine. An Olympic year. No, no, stop, stop. We're moving on. It's 1992. Tatiana Gutsu. Tatiana Gutsu. Okay. Uh, Double N, finally for you. Juventus. Yeah, exactly. Juventus. Okay, so Double N, finally. We have to get through this because we're losing so much time. Okay, here we go. Carly. Carly. Um, I'd go with Canada. You went the wrong way. Okay, go on. And uh, 2012. No, it was 2004. Um, <laughs> no, <her> name. <laughs> no, no point. <laughs> go yes. on, give it a go. Um, you said Carly? Carly? Carly Bryant. No, Carly Patterson. Carly Patterson, 2004. Okay, that was, that was just oh, a blood fest. Okay, Andy Mack is leading on 10 points. <laughs> Peter, Andy, you could have had 15. Right, very quickly, missing word, missing word round. Andy Mack opening up. With you, okay? So be be careful with this one, all right? Uh, so, Rangers will what Celtic if they reach the Scottish Cup last 16? 
Rangers will what Celtic if they reach the Scottish Cup last 16? Uh, start Armageddon. I, 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 I should probably draw. Host, host. So I've got to start Armageddon. I'm going to give you eight points for that one. That's very good. All right. Uh, Andrew Flint. All right. The, uh, you'll, you'll like this. Oh. Harry Kane is the greatest what in the world right now? Gurner. <laughs> he's 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 of Irish heritage, but I'm gonna give you I'll give you five points for that. I will give you five points. Um it is striker, striker in the world right now. Okay, MK, over to you. Um <clears throat> This is very, very good. Until what? That's all? Yeah. <laughs> I'm so sorry. You're serious? Yeah, until. Until? Yeah. Tomorrow. <laughs> okay, I'm going to give you five points for it. It's until it's mathematically impossible to lose, we cannot stop fighting. That was Pep Guardiola with Manchester City. I'm sorry. You never would have got it anyway, but at least you got five points. Okay. Uh, okay, Peter P. Peter P, this is going for you. Carabao. Oh, wait. No. Oh, God. No, I'm going to do this. I'm, going to, I'm not going to give you that one. Liverpool worry over Salah what? Mo Salah, of course. Liverpool worry over Salah what? Uh, over Salah... Uh, Chicken Caesar. <laughs> Alright, come on. We're, 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 I'm, I'm, trying, I'm trying to be... Po- like, I, I, I don't want to... I don't want to don't, I don't, I don't uh, have Liverpool have fans come after me. As well. <laughs> I'm just going to keep it light, you know. Yeah. They worry about his spending habits, you know, because he's a he's a rich guy. <laughs> I assume they pay him a lot for before he does. I'm going to give you five points. Whatever Peter. he does with the ball. Okay, whatever he does with the ball. Oh, God. We are a great sports show. Uh, future, just simply future. And finally, double N. All right, this is a, an Arsenal team one for you. Arteta, what? By what Arsenal? <laughs> Andy Mack, you stay quiet on this. Do not join <laughs> Arteta what by what Arsenal? Um, Arteta is shocked by Arsenal's loss. <laughs> well, not well losing. I'm going to I'm going to give you actually. I'm going to give you. You got you got shocked. Correct. So shocked by unas- unacceptable. So I'm going to give you five points for that. Okay, Andy Mac, you're leading. You're streets ahead. Okay, you're on 18 points right now. 20 points for the last round. Um, and this is either or. This is baseball opening day. Of course, baseball season started this past week. So double double N MK. Don't worry. We're they're all equally as bad to all our guys. Okay. So straight away with Andy Mac. Andy Mac. Um, the first international opening day game was in Japan or Mexico? Japan or Mexico? Uh, the first international opening day game? Yeah, yeah. So first day of the season, opening day, big, big celebration. Uh, Japan or Mexico? I seem to remember it being in Japan, so I'm going to go with that. Or you seem to remember it wrong because it was 1999 and it was in Mexico. So, okay. You're still out ahead, Andy. I don't think... Look, we know how our guys are going to work. They're not going to get past you. I don't think so, anyway. Right. Uh, All right. Andrew Flint. The longest opening day game was between the Cleveland Indians and the Toronto Blue Jays. How many innings were played? 14 
or 16? 14 or 16? Oh, God. I don't know. I'll, I'll go 16. Oh, you went right. Oh, my. Andy, 20 points. Andy Mack, I'm sorry. Andrew Flint's just like bypassed you. He just nipped past you. He is on 25 points right now. Okay, MK, this is for you. MK, you could tie for first, actually. Yeah, you can all tie for first. And Andy Mack doesn't even get a medal. Um, right. So, uh, here we go. Gary Washburn, he pitched in two games on the same opening day. Is that true or false? I'll try true. Oh, you should have tried false because it's false. He pitched in the same year, but it was different days. Okay. He was in the Anaheim Angels uh, organization, pitched two minor league opening days. They were different days, of course. Okay. Um, Peter P., you can get out ahead and tie. You can get out ahead and tie this one. Um, actually, you can win it if you get this right. Uh, right. Here we go. <coughs> Uh, he's clearing his throat he's getting so yeah, yeah. the I'm nerves are coming in yeah, I'm serious I'm serious <laughs> okay so um, this is a good one who had the very first opening day night game was it the St. Louis Cardinals or the Philadelphia Phillies it was in 1950 so who had the first opening day night game I'm gonna go with Phillies ah you should have gone with the Cardinals you should have gone to Cardinals. Come on. Yeah, I'm sorry for that. And finally, double N, double N. You can tie for first if you get this one right. Okay, so here we go. Back in 1907, when you were just a young man, New York Giants had to forfeit their opening day game against the Phillies because the fans threw snowballs or paper planes. Um, I think it's paper planes. Oh, your thought was wrong. It was snowballs. Yes, they threw snowballs. And there was no policeman in the stadium, so they had to stop the game. Andrew Flint, you've won tonight on 25 points. Well done. Congratulations. I'm delighted. I love that a 50-50 choice won it over Andy Mack's actual sporting knowledge. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> Good old Andy Mack. Okay, guys, thank you very, very much to Peter P., Andy Mack and Andrew Flint. Talk to you all next week. Looking forward. Thank you, Alan. Okay. All right. So uh, we'll thank the guys. Thank you to Double N and to MK for helping out in the studio today to make it a very, very good show. Thank you, Alan. Thank you. Okay. And uh, that score is still 1 0. Um, it's actually uh, equaled by Marcus Rashford. So it's Rashford, 1 1. 1 1. Okay. So I think Andrew Flint would be very happy with that. Okay, folks. We're going to go out right now. Of course, we're building up to our fourth birthday celebration. It'll be in two weeks' time. And we'll have some very, very special gifts to give away. So be ready for that. I've been Alan Moore. And thank you very much for being with us this evening. We're going to go out as we always do, because we said that it was all right in the last segment, of course, with Judah and the line. Now we're going to shine, because this is fits and the, the tantrums. I just want to shine. So until next week, take care of yourselves and each other. Capital Sports with Alan Moore. Good night stress, see you in the morning. I don't gotta guess, you're always there for me. Get out of bed, stay up, stay out of my head, cause it's dangerous, and I don't wanna lose my mind, no.